So, kia ora e ma. Morena, good morning, how you doing? Um, uh, with any luck, we'll have something come up on the screen in a moment. And uh, now, if you know the song, please do not tell anyone what its name is or who sang it. Um, so just practice your smug look, which is difficult behind a mask, I know, but there's a chance for you to look smug. If you don't know the song, anyone like to guess what it's about? It says, it will make a weak man mighty, it will make a mighty man fall. It will fill your heart and hands or leave you with nothing at all. It's eyes for the blind, it's legs for the lame, it's hate, love for hate and pride for shame. It's like one of those riddles in Lord of the Rings. You know, get it right and the door opens. Any guesses? All right, I'll let you mull on that and we'll rock into the sermon. I might uh, tell you towards the end. In pretty much everybody's story of coming to faith, there's a good thing. Something that made it worth following Jesus. Some spark of joy or peace. Some change in their lives. A good thing. This May, we're exploring what's been happening in our world and intentionally listening to NZBMS's journey and also hearing from some of our missionaries. I met with the head of NZBMS, and I was fascinated with their journey. Um, they, like all of us, have been through this incredible storm which has been different to things that we've experienced before. And what I f was fascinated about their journey was it had some crossovers with us. So we've got a couple of missions-related evenings of content, um, chances to think around mission. We're doing this when helping Hertz course, and I'm hoping it will help us get a better handle on how best to live our faith in this world. It's been, for me, a reasonably busy week, and so I just thought we'd start by looking at a good thing. Um, but before we do, let's, let's um, a little segment in this called Did You Know? Zoom back a bit, let's have a think, what do we know about this world at the moment? Well, you can talk to me. Did you know? Did you know that um, we have um, massively improved in terms of education? People are better educated in our world than they ever have been before. That graph starts at um, 1820, and at that stage, 83 people out of 100 would really not get in much education. And now we're down to maybe 14 out of 100. So that's progress, isn't it? Nice to see a little bit of good news. Hit a little bit more. Did you know that um, child mortality, that's um, kids dying, um, um, that back in 1820, 57 out of 100 would survive the first five years of life. So just slightly under half of kids would die. Yep. And now we're looking at um, 96 out of 100 survive the first years of life in the world. So that's kind of good to see, isn't it? I like that. Here's one that I genuinely didn't know. This is a picture of extreme poverty, and it's saying, how have we gone on? Again, in 1820, they said out of 100 people, 94 were living in what they describe as extreme poverty. And in 2015, note the date, um, that was down to 10 out of 100. That's good, isn't it? Of course, what's happened since then is COVID. Okay, so we've been doing really well. I mean, it's, and actually this graph, starts to look really good in the 1960s. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. One of them is that um, parts of West and South Africa and China, their economic situation has got much better. And as they have, there's, people are doing better out of it. So there's really good news in this. But um, COVID, on the other hand, 
has kind of reversed that in an instant. Um, and we know that at the moment um, in, in Africa things are pretty severe. Um, so in fact, while the graph has been consistently going down, as you can see, we know it's gone up a bit. Yep, that's going on in our world at the moment. This is part of the COVID storm we've been in. And if we're going to talk about it's not all good news. Um, I read a book about disinformation in the last month, and the guy had this startling statement. He said, um, he said, my opinion, he's talking from him, my opinion about climate change is unimportant. And he said, so is yours. The people, we should, the people whose opinion matters are the massive scientists who have spent their lives on this. I hadn't heard as, as bluntly as that. Um, and actually, I do know that in um, mission organisations are actually having to make pretty hard calls about climate change. A city, a, a village that has trouble getting water, well, they would say it's unlikely to get better. It's likely to get worse. So they're having to decide, do we put more aid into this village or do we say, guys, it's time to move? Okay, and that's got a little bit worse. Well, COVID's been slightly helpful. Uh, it has slowed us down. Um, very few people here have travelled internationally in the past couple of years. So our you know, carbon footprint has gone down a bit. Um, but it hasn't stopped us frantically spending money. One more, did you know? Roughly speaking, if there were 100 people in the world, 33 of them would be Christians. Okay, roughly speaking, 19 would be Muslim. Um, that's kind of good news. Yep. Um, it has been growing. Clearly, it's much stronger in, um, uh, in Asia and in um, uh, South America and Africa, the growth is much stronger there than in the West. But at the same stage, COVID has caused countries to close their doors. It's not just COVID that's done this. We've had um, a bunch of authoritarian states clamping down as well, and also a real growth in awareness of things like colonialism and racism. And what that means is that for many missionaries, the last mission organisations, the last two years, they haven't been able to send people. Um, we're a picture of that. Um, the missionaries that we've been supporting are Kevin and Angela, um, who've been based in New Zealand for uh, other reasons. Um, Chayat and Gail Wonsong, who have been living in Auckland, and Chayat's been producing videos to send to Thailand because they haven't been able to go there. Um, for mission agencies, this has been an astonishing challenge because they're built around the idea of sending missionaries. And for two years, they haven't been able to. Okay. That's the end of the did you know. Did you learn anything? Anything you didn't know? Yeah, a few nods, good. Nice to get an overview, isn't it? You know, you hear people say things, oh, let's get rid of COVID. So when things are confusing, it's really good to remember where you came from. What was the good thing that brought you to Jesus? Because in confusing times, there's lots of voices and we're trying to figure out what to do. And actually, it's not just COVID that's caused this. In our world, there's lots of figuring it out. Baptist churches, are they're, they're odd because there's a collective of churches. So it's like herding cats. And we have this huge range. We have people who swing from chandeliers. I don't think they do chandeliers anymore, do they? We have extremely enthusiastic Pentecostal people and very conservative Bible-based and fold-your-arms-please people in the same denomination, and that range would be reflected across a whole bunch of things. So we've been trying to figure out how can we find a sense of connection together. And so the Baptist Union, and in fact recently 
the Baptist Missions Organization have come up with this phrase, started using this phrase, gospel renewal. So I'm going to unpack this in a moment. But I wanted to talk about it and to reflect on it this month because I think it's integral to mission. I think it might be important for us as a church. My experience in working as a pastor has been if you want to get churches, different churches and communities to work together, the thing that will draw them and get past arguments is a sense of mission, a sense of let's accomplish this. And I've been wondering if this phrase gospel renewal might be helpful for us. When I'm asked as a minister, why do I bother, when I think of good things, actually they probably fit under the heading of gospel renewal. I think of people's lives who have been changed. Now Linda and I had this time in Hong Kong and so we saw dramatic stories of drug addicts who really went from darkness to light, from death to life. They became people who were more alive, stepping out of crippling guilt or sometimes crippling debt I guess that's gospel renewal, and now I work as a minister, I still hope to see that, and I do, often a lot smaller stories, but I see it reflected in people's lives. Let's have a look at what this might mean, gospel renewal. Well, gospel comes from good news, and, you know, the word evangelism is in there. And what's good news? Well, let's think for a moment. You're pregnant. That's good news, assuming you wanted to get pregnant. No. Can be bad news. Okay. Um, you got the job. It's good news. You won the auction. It's good news. Yes, I'll go to the ball with you. Good news. The doctor says it's benign, not malignant. It's good news. I forgive you. We can still be friends. It's good news. Good news is something your heart longs for. Something that has happened and you've just found out, that's good news. Good news is not something you do. Good news is when you find out that something else has happened, someone else has done something. And when Jesus stands in the synagogue and reads from Isaiah, he says it's good news. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that can also be called the year of the Lord's welcome. God says, you're welcome. It's good news, isn't it? I'm not slamming the doors shut. You're welcome. And so the Bible talks about how blessed are the feet of him or her who brings good news. It's good news because of the kind of news it brings. It's news in the Bible of a rescue or a saving. Now the Bible has lots of voices here. In 1 Thessalonians, what are we being saved from? It talks about Jesus who rescues us from the coming, coming wrath, which we think is a reference to judgment. Rescue from the curses of Genesis 3. Rescue from the human condition. The trouble we have in a human condition is there are four basic relationships. Our relationship with God, with others, with ourselves, and with creation around us. And the Bible says those need some rescuing. 
It tells us in 1 Corinthians 5.20 that our relationships need restoring and, he, and reconciling and he, Paul begs us to be reconciled for, to God. The good news is there's stuff to sort but God is up for it. Now, I have experience of being rescued. When I first started kayaking, uh, we used to go to a place called Full James or Na'awaparua, big waves, and then a sort of recycling entity. So you could, if you're a good kayaker, you could spend all day at this place just getting up and surfing on the waves, but they were big waves. And so inevitably, when you came off that wave, you'd hit these other ones and be all over the place, and inevitably, you would tip upside down. Everybody did it, even the experts. And then when you're upside down, well, you know, the first half of an Eskimo roll is easy, the second half coming up, well, that's a bit more patchy. And if you didn't manage to, well, you'd probably need to be rescued. You'd pull yourself out of the boat, and then there was no bank to go up onto, so you kind of had to swim, and you could go kilometres down the river. So someone would come out and rescue you. And that was an easy rescue. Um, sometimes when you're kayaking, you go into waves for the fun. You think this will be really cool, and it turns out not to be. I have vivid memories of going into one that... I got on the wave and then it just rolled me and rolled me and rolled me, which was kind of okay. It was a novelty for the first two. The third time I was thinking this is not so fine. When I got onto a six or seven, I thought, I'm in trouble. I can't get out. And the other thing was, I'm up. <gasps> I needed to be rescued. I pulled my spray skirt and we popped out, one hand on the, one hand on the kayak, one hand on the paddle. And you're not going to swim a lot of distance with that, so you need someone to rescue. It's great being rescued. In fact, I reckon that image wouldn't be a bad Trinitarian image. Jesus the Son, held by a rope from God the Father. Okay, Trinity, difficulty um, um, doing things legit on that. Um, but I don't know. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do putting things right in our relationships. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. Something God has done, not what you have done. It's not reliant on you, the good news. It does, however, like a rescue, bigger response. So why renewal? Well, because as that rescue takes place, the gospel does things. God is working in our world. In the business of restoring relationships, reconciling relationships, renewing relationships. In Romans 12.2, Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Titus 3.5, it talks about the rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, sorry. In Colossians, we're told to put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. In Corinthians, we're told not to lose heart. Though we may be outwardly wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. This is what the gospel does. It renews. In the early church, what that meant is that people saw changes in the people who had encountered Jesus. It was really obvious because they lived in each other's pockets. In our world, that's a bit more difficult because we live behind fences and we control the parts of our lives that we can see. When everyone is putting up a good face, it's hard to see that your face has changed. When I worked with drug addicts, you would slowly see them start to repair their relationships with their family, with their friends, with their bodies, but it started with God, renewal step by step. And I think that's what church is supposed to be. 
But to do that, we have to be able to see each other. And I think accept that this is all dependent on the grace of God, who loves and includes us all, and recognising that that renewal often goes in drips and spurts. There are times when you just think nothing is happening. And that renewal is what mission organisations try and do. They try and bring in teaching people to read, giving them a source of incoming, rescuing people from versions of slavery, and all with trying to bring people to Jesus. Tim Keller reckons there's two kinds of gospel renewal because he likes categories. He says the first one is individual. That's you and God, and that's us when we repent and change. And he says we're all called to that. And then he says the second kind of renewal, he says, is a community social thing. And he says, you know what people call that? We call that revival. When a group of people respond to God. For me, the magic in this phrase for us is what happens when you start imagining together. Okay, let's just try this. Close close your eyes for a moment. I'm still here, I promise. Uh, Imagine where you work, where you're going to be on Monday at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. If you work other times, imagine, just imagine what's going to be around. Here's my question. What would gospel renewal look like there? If a sense of how loved people are by Jesus, by how keen Jesus is to rescue, to restore relationships was present there, what would be different? Okay. Hold that for a moment. A little bit harder. What about in your own life? Just you, yourself. There are things we struggle with, constant, ongoing struggles. What would it look like if there was gospel renewal happening in your life? You can go further. What would it look like at a school? What would it look like in this church? What would it look like? I think something magical happens. You can open your eyes if you like. I think something magical happens when we start imagining what it might be like if the God who is at work in all of these places was actively working and we could see it, what might the results be? Now, to be fair, Tim Keller will say, this thing, good news is good news. It's not about results. Renewal, that's the results. And you kind of have to remember because it's grace. It's not created a works thing. What might it look like here? Well, Kieran's working in Queen's Park Primary School. What would gospel renewal look like there? Well, how would it be if in our community there weren't any kids who were hungry? They all, everybody had lunch. If kids played together and there was no bullying, how would that be? How would it be if kids got to go home to homes they wanted to go to because the family wanted to hang out with them? How would it be if, well, um, if there was no need for Kelly's wonderful company because every kid is getting enough so they learn well? Yeah? How would it be if on the disc golf course over there, wasn't just young adults, but we had grandfathers and grandkids. Kuria Korawa and playing golf with their mokopuna. 
How would it be if everybody knew their neighbours and was glad to know their neighbours? How would it be if we had to do multiple services because we couldn't fit everyone in? I don't want to put it on us. How would it be if when you talked of God with Joe Bloggs, they didn't instantly feel guilty because they knew more of God's love and grace than guilt and should? Gospel renewal would look like some things we do. It would be parents and preschoolers dancing together, toenails being cut, coffees over craft, meals and laughter and more, and none of it is dependent on huge salaries or your race or your background. When my kids were really young, they lived, uh, we, when we, and we went to Kerry College, we lived in a setup with five different houses. And um, when you wanted to find your kids, you kind of went out and went, oh, where are they going to be? They could be in any one of the places playing with any one of these people. For me, there was a hint of gospel renewal. And the shock when we came to Christchurch and moved in, we were, stayed in our parents' place up in Sumner, and our oldest had been in the house for about, I don't know, four or five hours, and she said, oh, that's, that's been really fun. Great, Dad. I'm just off to go and play with the neighbours. And we had to go, stop! You haven't met them! We didn't realise we had a slice of gospel renewal we'd been living in. The other thing I think this is great for, for a phrase, is it includes saving souls, but it includes building community and common good. And one doesn't happen without the other. I'm always a bit nervous about saying personally, what would this look like for me personally? Well, it might mean, I don't always love to pray. I should, shouldn't I? I should love to be with Jesus. Be still. I still feel nervous about admitting to my failings and insecurities. Even though I know God's works through them and I know that sometimes they are the thing that is about making me work with others. Gospel renewal might be knowing that everybody present is a gift, has something to offer. Gospel renewal might look like never having to rush because there's enough time to do what God has called us to do. We are not expected to do more than that. Gospel renewal might have you have a sense of knowing I'm called to this, so I'm going to work hard at it. But that, that's for Jane or Horace or someone else. There are some challenges in the term. Let's be straight up here. Um, and one of them is that we all want, um, can you tell me the gospel in uh, a sentence? We all want a nice little bumper sticker version. And Tim Keller says the trouble with this is that while we want a simple definition of the gospel, he says the Bible doesn't give us one. He says the gospel has chapters. It's a bigger story. And the big good news of Jesus doesn't shrink down to a sentence easily. So Tom Wright calls it a five-act play with creation, a fall, Israel, Jesus, and then he says, New Testament in the church, act five, that's us. Though I kind of want a finale because there's a good finale in the Bible. And so a chap called Goheen calls it, let's see, God establishes his kingdom, creation, there's rebellion in the kingdom, the king chooses Israel, then there's a coming of the king, Jesus 
the spreading of the good news, that's us, and then the return of the king for all the Lord of the Rings fans. That looks at a bit of the gospel, what God is doing. And in the last 80 years in the West, we've largely told that story as a story that is about guilt and innocence. That as individuals, we've screwed up, we've done wrong, and we need forgiveness. But also, more recently, people have been reading these stories and going, hang on, there's something about shame and honour here, that sense of being um, torn, torn by, um, sorry, bear with me for a moment. They see it as an honour and shame story where there are, you get cut out of community and in the end, they're welcomed into community with others. A story that ends with inclusion and reaffirmation. Other people have noticed there's a theme in here where they notice fear and power how in this story the desire for power goes wrong and they follow how it goes wrong and in the end, and its result, is powerlessness in people's lives and out-of-control attempts to control others. And the death and resurrection of Jesus brings peace and freedom. And then there's one that's brand new to me. It talks about pollution and purity. I find this one fascinating because I think about things like our relationship with creation around us and think, let's see, what is the impact of moving from a place where we are naturally polluting and messing things up? And how would it be to live differently? I bet more than a handful of people here could do the Roman road, the black book. Anything sound familiar? These are really concise ways of describing I'm going to call a piece of the gospel. The point is the good news of Jesus is more. And actually, as church, we've tended to operate on, on one default. It doesn't fit on a bumper sticker or a tweet, even though Elon Musk might think it most does. Gospel renewal has to be lived. And as we do, I think we try different lenses to see what it's about. I started by saying in our testimonies that there'll always be a good thing in the stories of how we came to faith. And it is important to pay attention to that because that thing will very often be a theme in your life. Help you understand what God is doing with you. But it's not good to get stuck there. Nostalgia is not our friend in helping us grow. So if you know one of these really well, it might be worth asking, how is this other way of reading this different? Is there anything that sings in this? Okay. I'm going to read you a tiny bit of a friend of mine wrote about gospel renewal. Here's what he said. He said, it's not always what you expect. Sometimes it's saying grace at a meal just before a drug deal goes down. Sometimes it's praying that people make good decisions but locking your front door in case they don't. Sometimes it's just turning up week in and week out until the quizzical glance is replaced with a smile. Sometimes it's saying no quietly and yes loudly, and sometimes it's saying nothing at all. Sometimes it's seeing God in others and hoping they see God in you as you all wonder where God might be. Sometimes it's loving the thief, and sometimes it's midnight visits to the police cells. 
Sometimes it's holding another's pain. Sometimes it's letting go. Sometimes it's nailing down the roof as the hail beats against the tin. Sometimes it's letting others do a worse job than you would. Sometimes it's letting others do a better job than you could. In all times, it's grasping after the threads of grace woven through the stories around you, hoping and praying you can join with others to see the tapestry that's being created. Okay, if that's way too vague for you, let's try and get practical. As I've been talking, some here may be feeling as if God is tapping them on the shoulder, saying, hey, there's just this thing you need to look at. And your heart is beating faster, and it may be there's something that, yeah, you do need to sort. I'd love you to have a chance to pray with someone else here if that was you. Just to talk and pray, not to guarantee you can hold it, but to tell someone else this is what's going on. And then there's where you're going to be on Monday. I'd love us all, if you are able, just to hold on to this question, what could gospel renewal look like here? Just ask it. And then I've got practicals for us. Before the rebuild, we used to run a food bank. People used to come walk along, ask for food, and we would give it to them. Often they'd um, coming to us because they'd already been to the other food banks so much they'd said no. Yep. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't a great system because we didn't do any budget advice, we didn't refer, it wasn't that relational. We're not doing anything right now. But we could. We just need to do something Good. I'm really hopeful that when helping hurts helps us figure out how we can engage. We did have a missions team and we don't at the moment. Team um, set aside for this. So during this month, I'd love you to be thinking, am I interested in this? That's a group of people to pray for our missionaries and keep us informed. So there's some practicals. I'd love you. For me, the biggest one is take that question into this week. Ask that question where you are. If you're really serious about it, journal a bit. Imagine of what it could be. How might it be? And then you are more likely to spot God working. Pay attention to if there's anything going on in you, and I've mentioned a couple of individuals, uh, things for here. We're, I'm going to pray, and if I can have the team up, we're going to sing that song about God's heart for inclusion, about this Gospel renewal was never intended for one person or a, a holy insider group, but this is God calling for all. Here comes the prayer. Hi God, I love that in your big story you are... There's a story that has a good finale and that we get a part to play in that. I hate how we often can feel powerless feel like I don't know what to do. Look at stats and think, how can God be at work here? I hate how I know that I, all of us, where our imaginations are limited by what we have seen. So my prayer for all of us is that we would this week have a sense of what if, God, what do you want to do here that you would raise, can't, cause our eyes to catch a hint of oh, that might be God at work and that you might salt our conversations with that what if if God, if you are at work in this way help our conversations to reflect that
in our dreaming, that you lead us into the kind of communities that you came, died for, and rose again to create. Amen.